The world of real estate investing can have a lot of joys and sorrows, successes and failures. But the one thing for sure is that it takes planning and commitment. This episode of Flipping Awesome Podcast is entitled, Give It All You Got, Stories of Real Estate Entrepreneurs who have given their total commitment to their projects, sometimes enduring some gross and grimy situations. Welcome to episode number two of Flipping Awesome Podcast. I'm your co-host, Heather Foss. I'm a licensed real estate agent in the state of Minnesota with Remax Results. And with me is my co-host and producer, Marshall Saunders. Hi, Heather. Hey, every week. Flipping Awesome Podcast brings you a story from the real world of real estate investing, whether it's rehabbing or flipping houses, rentals, vacation rentals, duplexes, triplexes, big, huge multi-unit complexes, whatever it is. By bringing you the story of real people who have made real investments in all sorts of real estate, we want to make you better informed and hopefully entertained. Every year, we have a spring and a fall season, each consisting of 16 episodes. We also have video and blog content. So be sure to check out our webpage, flippingawesomepodcast.com. Today's episode is called Give It All You Got. Marshall and I were inspired by some of the incredible work being done by house rehabbers and investors. Some of it gets pretty grimy. Marshall. What's the weirdest or grossest thing you've ever seen in a rehab or rental? All right. Well, I did a rehab. It was a very nice home. It needed a lot of updating. And uh, we were going to turn one of the dens into a third bedroom. It was a two-bedroom house. So I thought, wow, that's really going to have some some critical difference. Totally. We did the whole rehab. We made a mistake in the fact that we allowed someone to move in before the closing. Okay? that That's Usually not something that I <laughs> tell other people to do, but, you know, I was kind of desperate for the income and uh, like, oh, they'll pay rent and they'll move in. So they move in and they start, um, they use the washing machine and it backs up into the basement. Like, oh, that's odd. So I get somebody out there and they clean out the uh, drain line, the sewer line. And then they take a bath and it backs up again. And this is not just you know, water. This is sewage. You yeah. know, like this is bad stuff. Odd Come. isn't how I would describe it. Gross. Right. <laughs> and so after the third time that we had the sewer cleaned out, a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, angry calls from the buyer slash renter now, we had somebody out there and they scoped the line. So they put down the scope, went all the way down the sewer line. And what they realized is that there was no sewer line. There was no sewer line. When the house was originally built in 1915, the house was being built at identically the same time that the street people were coming in, putting in the sewer line. The people from the city out on the street thought that the house was going to connect to the sewer line, and the people from the house were done a little bit early, and they thought that the city would connect the sewer line. Literally... The, the pipe went out into the middle of the yard, and never since 1915 had it ever been connected. What? This was, you know, 2016 when I was doing this house. So that's 101 years yeah. of the raw sewage from this house being put into the front yard. Oh, my God. 101 years of sewage. It was 
a bad situation. You know, they had to come in, and what we had to do was we had to excavate the front yard. You know, this is all huge price tags. This is getting higher and higher and yeah. higher every day that goes on. It doesn't get much higher. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're literally pulling out the entire front yard, and they have to go down because there's a chance that this could have been uh, gone into the water supply for the whole block, and then, you know, I got a super fun cleanup on my site. Uh, however, that's not what happened. They they kept They went down about 10 feet below where the sewer line ended and they stopped getting dirty land and uh, and it tested well enough that we could then start you know once we excavated that then we started with good soil we got it connected to the sewer that uh, was eighteen thousand dollars to do that ouch my total profit on that home was running at around twenty five thousand and of course I can't charge the renters for living there during that time. They can't even use the bathroom, right? right. Um, they can't use it. So I'm making no rental. I have another uh, that was almost four months to do that whole process. So that's another four months of my carrying costs. I think I broke even oh. on that property, which is a miracle. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's a, a good uh, uh, six to seven months of my flipping life. Uh <laughs> My rehabbing life that basically is a zero sum. Totally. Yeah. There must have been like an old lady that lived there for yep. for a long time. It's exactly and... the situation. Exactly that situation. She had lived there for so many years and, you know, used it, uh, used her facilities sparingly enough that it never <laughs> came. And then, you know, here comes my buyers, which is a married couple with two kids. Oh, my goodness. It was just, you know, we couldn't handle that situation and... There we go. Grandma um, only did like one, one load right. of laundry and one shower a week kind right. of thing. And she probably never went into the It was probably coming up in the basement. She didn't even know it, right? It would just percolate down slowly. How about you? What's your grossest, weirdest story? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so probably the weirdest story of my career so far <laughs> is um, we were – uh, monitoring a house, and this was 2009 when prices were probably as close to the bottom as they were going right. to be. It was my responsibility to make sure that it was secure on a weekly basis. And every time I went over there, the door was kicked open. So we would have to call the police, and the police would walk through the building, and then we'd come back, and we'd nail the board back up on the front door. One time, um, the door was kicked open when we got there, which we expected. We called the uh, non-emergency police and um, they went in and they pulled out two prostitutes oh peaches and diamond bags and they that was their names that was their names peaches and diamond bags i was standing in the front yard with these two police officers as they're like telling peaches to get all her stuff out of the house and i was like you know these guys and they're like yeah you know we've run into them a, a handful of times already and you know just this property was such a problem in the first place um getting it cleaned out was terrible we couldn't get any contractors to touch it because there was just too many like syringes and things like that 
so yeah, I would say that the the weirdest thing was pulling pulling two prostitutes out of this house. I like how it's plural too. Diamond bags. <laughs> diamond bags. Right. It's yeah. not just diamond bags. You can't yeah. just have one. Right. No. I got diamond bags. Peaches and diamond bags. It was the middle of the day, so you know they weren't really working. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's their given name, or uh, do, do you don a stage name when you become a prostitute of that? I, ilk? That was what they were known by by the cops, and so I think it's their given name. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, that is something. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a, a pretty gross place. Um, I think we ended up selling that place for like thirteen thousand dollars. Wow. To a real estate attorney who was buying up these homes in Frogtown and he was putting homeless people in them and oh. he said that like the utilities would be off and it's no big deal because they're used to sleeping outside but this would prevent somebody to come in and uh, take all the copper out of these houses. He said uh. you know eventually a handful of them I taught how to paint and do some rehab stuff so it was like this weird like security slash like giving back um, thing and yeah he's just well, not a bad investment for that guy, though. Because oh, I'm, sh- yeah. I mean, if he had whole, I'm sure he's sold them all by now. But you know, right now the market for even a really tough, 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 tough condition home would be what at least seventy or eighty thousand to yeah. get it on the, the very cheapest. It's probably more like a hundred fifty. I mean, totally. We were writing dozens and dozens of offers in the teens. Uh, like, you know, 15,000, 17,000, just dozens of offers. It's amazing. He, he just pick them up and he's like, yeah, you know, put 20 to 30 into them and we'll right. hold on to them for a little while. And put a homeless guy in there. And, uh, yeah, you know, for a little and while. just say, hey, listen, you can live here if you don't <laughs> yeah. steal the copper or don't allow anyone else to steal the copper. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the transition from the homeless person to the renter. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> we didn't know what that looked like. The first thing that anyone involved in real estate investing should understand is that you need to have a great team around you. Real estate lawyers, lenders, inspectors, tradespeople of all sort but first and foremost, a real estate agent. Marshall and I have an elaborate real estate network at our fingertips of agents who put their customer first and truly know the best plan to get started in real estate investment in your area. If you'd like us to match you up with a great agent in your area, simply go to our website at flippingawesomepodcast.com and click on the experts link at the top of the page, fill out the form and hit submit. We'll never sell your information. We'll never spam you. We only want to use the information to connect you with the best possible real estate agent in your area. It's a great place to start. Heather, we had Troy Moldy in our studio a few months ago. Troy runs a company called Henry Homebuyer, and they market directly to the public via websites and mailers, and they buy homes and rehab them. Troy came in and told us how he got started in that business, how he evaluates a potential property, and gives us the numbers on a rehab he recently finished. Troy Moldy, welcome. Tell me about your company, Henry Homebuyer. Did you start the company? Uh, Well, I started it with a partner, and then my partner... Uh, decided that he didn't want to be in the the grind. And my best friend, too, still best friend, so that's kind of cool. But we started it together, and then I ended up taking over the company. I can't help but notice that you and, from what I know, no one else involved in your company is named Henry. How did you come to be called Henry Homebuyer? 
It wasn't the first name. So we started out with we pay cash, the number four homes.net. If you've never started a business, you go to the Secretary of State, you start Googling, you know, not, not Googling, but a search field of what names are available. There's not a lot of good names available. So, you know, there's that. And you got to have the name available. And then it also has to be available, the, dom the domain. So you want those to, you know, to match up. So we at least knew that. We had thought about doing some radio um, advertising. And so we did a couple voiceovers to see what it would sound like. And it was... We pay cash, the number four homes.net. And like, if I'm driving down the road, you got to explain it, which is airtime and it's super expensive. And then the other thing is, is I'm never going to remember that. And so it was really bothering me. And so for the next few months, I had just been looking and looking and looking. I Googled most popular name, male name in Minnesota, Henry. That's what Google said. I don't know. That's what Google said. <laughs> so I'm like, Henry Homebuyer. Well, let's see if that's available. And everything was available. And when I looked at, like, we pay cash for home. So if I wanted to have, like, a song jingle and I wanted to do TV or radio or what have you, and it was, we pay cash for homes. Like, you know, that doesn't even work. But Henry Homebuyer was, Henry Homebuyer, we'll buy your house today or something like that, you know. So that's how that all happened. I ran it by some people and they were like, I really like it. And that's how we became Henry Homebuyer. So what does Henry Homebuyer, the company, do? We will buy a home if we can improve it. We're an investment company. So, you know, how do we make money? I would either buy that that property to keep as a rental property in, in our portfolio, or um, I would take that property and improve it and then put it back on the market for a profit. I think we all know that finding the properties with potential value is the hardest part of what you do. How do you source your properties? What sort of marketing to homeowners does Henry Homebuyer do? Uh, a little bit of direct mail, um, which is, you know, really expensive, really competitive. And, and um, I don't know how the data people to find the the data, but it seems like they all find the same data because it's really competitive. Um, online, um, you can go to my website and check me out that um, I try to be a real person and just, you know, you can see who we are as a company, what our values are. And I try to be what you see is what you get. Um, but most of what people find me online. So they find you online by doing like Google searches? Yep. And then over time, um, my rankings increase and what have you. And, um, you know, I think that helps that Google knows that we're a legitimate business. We've been around for a little while now. Um, that as as we climb, you know, people look at your um, your ratings, your reviews, and, and those type of things. And, I, you know, that's starting to really help out. When you get a homeowner that contacts you and asks you to come out to their home, what are you looking for? What immediately tells you whether this is a property to consider or not? When I'm, I just have a conversation with somebody, you know, that whether it's me or my brother who, who does most of our acquisitions, the phone call comes in and it's, hi, you know, who are you? Here's who I am. Uh, it's nice to meet you by phone. And we just start chit-chatting to see, you know, what's going on with this person and, um, you know, what's going on with the home. And so when a person calls up and they're like, I've just done this, I've remodeled this, I've done all of this. And I'm thinking, how can I fit you or how can I help you? Because it doesn't seem like I'm a match. It sounds like it's ready to be listed and you're going to make more money with a listing agent. So how can I help you? And, and then I just will say, well, here's, you know, I'm an investment company. So what can I do to help you? And how can we be a match? And, and just so you know, I'm going to try to buy your home as low as I can, and you're going to try to sell it to me as high as you can, and 
we're going to hopefully find a deal in the middle. And, and if we can, great. And if not, no harm, no foul. There's usually a little negotiation and, and we figure some things out. And if if it's a property that I feel that I can make money on, then we, then we move forward on it. So I got together with my attorney when I started this because I'm a broker, you know, so I, you know, there is a higher standard that it's not a secret deal of that I'm going to make money on this transaction. I disclose who I am. I disclose that I've been pretty successful in real estate and these are what my intentions are. And I put it all out there so that there's no secrets about it, that in my experience in business, if you're straightforward with people, they're still going to make the same decision. It's just they feel better about working with you. And so I disclose everything in my purchase agreement. And then I have a one-page disclosure that, I, that me and my attorney wrote together. Troy, how do you finance your rehabs? When you're buying homes, if you don't have endless money, you run out of money. And so then, you know, as a company, we're always trying to figure out how do we get our costs down? How do we... You know, because like, like for example, I was running a comp on a deal last night where you factor in your hard money because that one I'd be doing hard money on. And um, and then it was somebody sent it to me. So then I got to pay them and it pushes me out of that competitive range that I don't think I'll get that home because when I pay everybody, I'm no longer that competitive. So a little bit of both, you know, when you run out of money, you use hard money. If you can use your money, you use your money. On our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Flipping Awesome Podcast, we have some video of you and I walking through uh, one of your recent rehabs. The trash out of that home was really a huge task. You had a lot to do on that property and a lot of trash to remove. It was a challenge for me to just walk through the house with you, much less help you out with the trash out. Can you tell me how you approach such a difficult trash out? Number one is when you walk into a home and you're going to do a trash out, a couple rules. It's always more than you think because what you see, you don't, you know, there's there's cupboards. You don't see all that stuff. Um, and then it always takes longer than what you think. One of the goals that when I started this company, when you write down a list of what are you trying to do, for me, it wasn't let's make money. Then let's, it was, can I work with people that I care about? Can I create jobs for people I care about? Can I do a good service in the community? And so some of the people that work with me are my son, who's 16 years old. I want to teach him how to work hard, and, and I feel that that will be, you know, valuable in his life going forward. So I talked to him and said, you know, do you got a couple friends? And they've done work for me in the past and different things, tree work and, and what have you. And so he got a couple of his buddies and then my nephew. So one of the perks uh, of working for me is, hey, guys, I want to, you know, get your entrepreneurial spirits going. So anything you find, hey, it's yours. It's finders, keepers, and, and you can sell it. And then um, segue real quick um, tip is in my contract, and this is uh, a give here. When you take possession, whatever's there is yours. So identify that in your contract because it can come back or where's this? I want this back or what have you. So Whatever's there when I take possession is mine, and that's identified in the contract. So back to the story. The kids are running through the home looking, you know, what, what can I find? What can I find? And they found some cool watches. They were excited about that. But the, the funny thing is, so I've got these four young, you know, boys that are, you know, manly kind of boys, and uh, they find this, this purse. 
And it's like, I love Louis Vuitton or something like that. I don't know much about purses, but like, this is a nice purse. It's the limited edition or whatever it is. And they're all excited. I'm like, what are you guys excited about a purse for? You know, it's just like, and they said, well, we could sell it and make all this money. They all had some fines in one way or another that, you know, so some things got repurposed. So that was fun. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of the, I get into it with them. I got my mask on. I'm getting dirty with them. And we were there. It was a nine-hour trash out. I had a 40-yard dumpster that was completely filled. And uh, we wrapped up yesterday um, with another 10-yarder. And I've got probably one more 10-yarder to go. How did you get into this business? How, how did you get started in real estate overall? And how specifically did you get started with Henry Homebuyer? Well, I was going through a divorce at the time, and I had a three-year-old, two-year-old, and a baby. I was working retail, and uh, bad. how was I going to take care of kids? How was I going to get them to where they need to get to? I needed a career that would allow me the flexibility, and so I was selling men's clothes, and my customer at the time, Scott, he was a pretty heavy hitter in, in real estate, He's like, man, you should come join my team. And I and I had been doing mortgages on the side. You know, that was kind of the day where you had a part-time job doing work. Right. So, so I was doing that on the side. So I kind of already knew a thing or two. I had bought a couple houses. And so I knew a little bit about it. And, and I was fascinated by it and liked it and joined his team and took a chance on it and did really, really well. And, and so I did real estate as an agent for until I think 2008 or so. And then I opened a company and I had my brokerage ever since. And... Um, and then my primary focus for a long time was the bank-owned stuff. And, you know, we sold truckloads of houses, did really, really well, opened another brokerage in Florida, did well there. And then when REO, you know, started slowing down, you know, it was like, what, what do I do? What should I do now? Do I take a break? Do I keep working? And I thought, you know... This flipping would be kind of fun, right. and uh, it would be a way to work with people that I care about, and it'll keep me busy, and it it's a business that it helps the community, uh, neighbors, I mean, just love, love, love when you come in and do a good job on their home. That's how we got into it. What advice would you give to someone just starting off in the business of rehabbing? Probably the hardest thing about this business is your contractors, um, finding the right people that represent your values. Number one is what values are you going to have as an individual? So when you take on a project, that people are then going to buy that project from you that do do good work. I know that sometimes people will know things, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a real example. We have a project going right now, and we started pulling the boards apart and saw that they were rotten. If I had bad contractors, they might have just covered it up. Troy's paying me either way. I don't need to say nothing. So the integrity of, of me as an individual can get lost in the people that I bring on. So try to find people that have integrity that represent your values because somebody's going to buy that home from you and you want to make sure that, that you're putting together good products. You know, So I would say that that's something to be, to be mindful. I know we watch TV and stuff like that and we see all the shows, but in the nitty gritty of it, make sure that you're, you're doing a good job because 
some people that are going to buy that home don't have the money to fix it, and uh, we don't want to leave people high and dry that that's not making the world a better place when we're rehabbing homes. And run your your numbers and make sure that you account for, there's some stuff that's going to come up that you can't account for, so, so have some number that is your X factor and put that in your project because that's going to take you from... Uh, losing money, breaking even to, you know, making a little bit of money on the bad deals that just sometimes go bad on you. Could you walk us through a recent rehab you've done and give me the real world numbers? How much did you buy it for? How much was the rehab? How much did you sell it for? And how much did you net from it? So I'm going to shoot from the cuff, but I bought one for 130000 and um, I paid the buyer's closing costs. So you've got the closing costs on the front side. Then when you resell, you've got more closing costs. So, you know, probably $2,500 when you're all said and done with all closing costs when you buy and when you resell. That one was probably around 51000 in rehab. And for whatever reason, things kept coming up on that project that you, you, you can't see. So... All of a sudden, open a wall or something. Oh, we got electrical thing. Now I got to bring in electrician and, you know, or, or what have you. In real estate, you get lucky and sometimes you get unlucky. And if you do enough of it, you're going to experience both. And that was a project that I got a little unlucky on that I should have been able to sell that one for 240 But I ran into some really flaky buyers and I had one person buy that home, back out. Another person buy the home, back out. Another person buy the home and back out. Like, I get that if you found, like, caving found. It wasn't anything that was abnormal from any other inspection out of all these homes I've sold over the years. It was things that we should have been able to solve that let's just remedy it. Buyers just flaked. And it surprised the agent because they'd email me like, I'm not sure what to say, Troy. The buyer's just flaking. I don't know what it means for me working with, you know, and it was like three in a row. And I had to keep discounting price to get it sold. And by the time I was done with that project, I think we made twenty three thousand. And you know, twenty three thousand is that you know that that's still really good, but not you know that's a pretty fifty thousand dollars. A lot to rehab. A lot can go wrong. You know, so that was you know just kind of an example of on that one how that one did. Troy, thank you so much for coming into the Flipping Awesome Podcast Studios. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you would like to reach out directly to Troy Moldy, visit his website at henryhomebuyer.com. And again, you can see video of me and Troy touring a few of his projects on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash flippingawesomepodcast or follow the link from our website at flippingawesomepodcast.com. From Marshall and myself, thank you for listening to Flipping Awesome Podcast. Please visit our website at flippingawesomepodcast.com, where you can find additional video content for our show and find our links on our social networking sites. And like we mentioned before, you can fill out the simple form. We'll connect you with a real estate agent in your area that is an investment real estate expert to get you started on or continued on your journey into investment real estate. Flipping Awesome Podcast is produced and recorded in the studios of Minnesota Podcasting, who can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. Until next week, we wish you the very best.